With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Better off. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Pot of Their Own. This is episode 175 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Serovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. The tank mode continues to be on Fast and Furious um, as the Mets took two out of three from the Cubs last week, but then had their asses absolutely handed to them by the Atlanta Braves over the weekend. No surprise there. Lordy, Lordy, Lord, Lord. (laughs) I was like possibly the biggest stink burger series of the year. And they didn't even get swept. Like they won the, they, <laughs> they salvaged the final game of the four game series by salvaged skinny, in every, in every sense of the word by a skinny seven to six lead. <laughs> um, they almost blew that game and they didn't quite manage to do it. And that hero is the, Rafael Ortega, Rafael Ortega, big hero in that one, um, <laughs> on, on national TV, no less. Um, but yeah, with with uh, Starling Marte still on the injured list, um, and Brandon Nimmo and Francisco Lindor each having like tiny issues that cause them to miss a game. There have been some truly heinous, like unprecedentedly heinous Mets lineups that have happened. Um, oh, I still don't know all of them. I I do not know all of those people. I, I I'm sorry. Either. I like, it's my job. I realize like. To some minor extent, we get paid to know this stuff, and I don't know it. I don't either. Sorry. <laughs> in that vein. Like, uh, when was he on the team? <laughs> in that vein, breaking news, Jonathan Arrows just hit a two-run homer. <laughs> oh, is he one of ours? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that guy's hey! on the Mets and Hooray! has been. He was briefly not on the Mets, so he was on the Mets and then was briefly not on the Mets and then immediately was on the Mets again. Um, <laughs> All right. Yeah, way so to go. That have a good split squad. Yeah, no, these this this is some of the especially the lineup they trotted out 
in game one of that doubleheader on Saturday was a spring training ass lineup. Like it was, I think the only regulars in there were Pete Alonzo. I think that was it because, and I guess if you count Omar Narvaez as a regular, because I think he caught game one. Yes. Because we saw Francisco Alvarez in game two. That's right. I was there at that game. More on that later. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it was like, there were basically like no major league caliber players in that. And how did that work out for them, Allison? Yeah, they lost tell. 21 to three. <laughs> That's <laughs> bad. Eight of those runs were surrendered by position player Danny Mendick. <laughs> Don't we love started? any of that. Dislike who started? Thing. Who started, Linda? Denny yeah. Reyes did. <laughs> Denny Reyes. Um, oh, the Denny Reyes, the Denny Reyes. Uh, yeah. So that's 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 about all you need to know about the Mets right now. That's like that game encapsulates everything you need to know about them. The, what the- I will associate forever with that game was seeing an alert come up on my phone and picking it up to see that it was the Braves having scored a run, and then immediately, as I'm still looking at it, another score <laughs> yeah. alert comes up. That happened. Three times. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Three times. Yeah. <laughs> it was extremely rude. And it was literally like every pitch. It was like home run, home run, double, yep. home run, double, double, home run, single, home run. <laughs> like that's like literally what it was. Oh, man. No, anyway. And when, because um, Baz was uh, tweeted, our friend Baz, um, he tweeted that this was like the worst lineup he's ever seen in his 30 years as a fan. But I still think that game in 2015 where John Mayberry was the cleanup hitter. I actually mentioned that game to Michael while we were listening. So we did not watch any of that. That's what I countered with was that game. (laughs) We did not watch any of the 21 to three game, thankfully, because we were driving up. Uh, literally to City Field to to watch the nightcap, so we didn't watch. I guess we saw the very beginning of the day game, but before things got really, really bad. But um, I was commenting, this is this like we were debating: is this a worse lineup than that 2015 game? Um, I came down on the side of yes, it is worse. I thought it was worse. That's my opinion, but, but it's close. But Pete is least capable. You cannot have John Mayer Mayberry Jr. as a cleanup hitter and be serious. I suppose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it it's it was bad. Like it was it was definitely a top three worst Mets lineup I have ever seen. And like and I was like, this team right now is pretty much as bad a Mets team since I think since like the Art Hal Mets, basically. You have yeah. to go back that far to find a Mets team that's as bad as the team is right now. Obviously, pre-trade deadline, different story. But as bad as this team is right now. We um, do have the lineup from that game because I have the lineup from the 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 John Mayberry game. So maybe we can compare. Oh, let's compare. I'll go br- yeah, I'll bring up it. the I'll bring up the the uh the box score from the day game because everybody was assuming the Kershaw no hitter before it even happened and he threw a one hitter because of Curtis Granderson (laughs) see but yeah there you go Curtis Granderson that's one major leaguer that was in that lineup yes all right so that's who pitched for 2015 I feel like it was Bartolo so that's See, a real, and that's real where person. I feel like what was so brutal about this lineup was like looking down the list of batters and being like, oh, my God, that is wow. I don't know these names or that name. And then you get to the pitcher 
and it doesn't help. Like, it doesn't not help. at all. So, no. so let's uh, let's go. Let's go like spot by spot in the lineup. OK, OK. So leading off in the in the 2023 Mets, we have Rafael Ortega. Right, off. Brandy. Brandy. There you go. So point for 2015 point Grandy. Yeah. Batting second, we have Mark Vientos. Mm, I, I can. Mm. I might do you one better, Ruben Tejada. Ruben Tejada. Ooh, that I, that's close, but for he different was reasons. Short that day. <laughs> Should we call it a wash on those two? Let, let, let's call that a wash. Vientos at least has power. Yeah, but Does Ruben he? Tejada had been. <laughs> Ruben Tejada had been like an established. Like I don't want to say established major leaguer. That's stretching the definition of major leaguer a little far. But like We're a guy there. who's played in the major leagues for some time. <laughs> yeah, so I knew we'll what you were going to get from him, which was typically going to be better than what Mark Vientos has done so far. And, and I will point out that Mark Vientos did go zero for five with sh- three strikeouts. <laughs> Oh, All credit to Mark Vandos, who, who has been playing better lately, but not in that, not in this particular game. That was not his day. We don't pitch for the Braves that day. Um, t- Like the other day, uh, it yeah, was just during this lineup. Well, that's the other thing that's particularly cruel. It's that guy who used to be in the Mets system. Oh, and, uh, Winans? What's his name? Winans? Winans? Women's? Yeah. Who, who pitched seven scoreless innings oh good god of yeah. course all right but hold on hold on who so who was batting third batting third for the 2023 mets jeff mcneil okay we have wilmer but the tw- Ooh, mm. that's close to a wash i would that say also because 2020 uh, normally i would be just like on the surface i would call that advantage mcneil but not 2023 jeff mcneil who hasn't been very good yeah. but this was also 2015 wilmer flores who was good? Yeah, was he good at that point in the season? Though I thought no. I kind of felt like he was bad. Yeah, I actually, I feel like I will. If look, if someone was like, "Do you want 2015 May 2015 Wilmer Flores or 2023 Jeff McNeil?" I'd probably choose 2023 Jeff McNeil. Okay, we'll go point McNeil. So now we're even. Okay, we got even. one point Grandy, one point McNeil. Okay. Now, next, it, it batting cleanup for the 2023 New York Mets, Pete Alonso. There we go. The one okay. real player. Okay. <laughs> okay. My slugger is John Mayberry Jr. Point Alonso. So that's, okay. that's you know. Are you sure? Do we want to compare numbers? <laughs> do, do we want to bring up the advanced metrics? I'm not sure. All right. So that's that's the only, like, very I'll clear. I'll this one as a given. That's yeah. as clear as, as Grandy over Ortega, if not more so. <laughs> so we will, we will go point Alonso. So it's two to one 2023 Mets. Okay. <laughs> Batting fifth, we have Vogie. For the- no. Oh, you're not ready for this one. <laughs> it's soup. Soup. Okay. <laughs> I guess that's point Vogie. I suppose that's point Vogie. Oh. <laughs> he was playing third. Okay. So it's three to one, 2023 Mets. Right. But I think, I don't know. I think 2015 might win the rest of these spots. No, yeah, maybe. so let's see. All right. All right. And batting... now I also get to tell you who who what names I don't recognize. <laughs> batting six, a guy who has since been DFA'd. Oh no. <laughs> Abraham Almonte. <laughs> That's one of them. 
okay, yeah, I'm going to win this one. It's Duda. Yeah, Duda beats okay, Abraham yes. Alamo. Yeah. Okay, there you go. All right, so it's three to two. Nobody wins in any of these matchups. <laughs> I would just we like to say. We are all losers Except here. Pete and Curtis Granderson. <laughs> all right, batting seventh. Uh, I'm interested to see who's going to win this matchup. Batting seventh is Omar Narvaez. Hmm. Uh, Juan Lagares. Ooh, mm. that's interesting. Both I would probably established yeah. major leaguers, but obviously very different skill sets, and both not very good with the bat in that particular year. <laughs> no, yeah, but also both good. Lagares' floor wasn't that low, though. Like, I mean, it was low, but it wasn't like. Um, I don't know. <laughs> and Ligaris was Other like, and Ligaris was like a starting player at that. Point, yeah, I feel right? like yeah. he was like a, a starting seventy-five player. OPS kind of guy. Like Narvaez is the backup but... catcher right now. I mean, I yeah. know he was signed to be the starting catcher, but he was he is not the starting catcher. This is the backup catcher, yeah. basically. Yeah. I think we're gonna have to go point Ligaris. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, I, I think I would give it to Ligaris. So now okay. we're tied again. Now we're tied again. All right. right. Batting eighth, DJ Stewart. Okay. I could do you one better. Anthony Recker. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's, I I might call that a wash. Recker, I mean, had some assets. (laughs) Recker had some assets. DJ Stewart. But none of those assets were hits. Baseball related. (laughs) DJ Stewart. Is, that's the backup catcher and then DJ Stewart is like not a major leaguer right now he was <laughs> once not now um, and even when he was he was like a fourth outfielder pinch hitter type um, yeah that's not great I'll no. call out a wash all right batting ninth I mean I guess it's unfair to 2015 yeah. because pitchers still hit hey Bartolo guy. was a slugger excuse you <laughs> and we've got Jonathan Arrows who did just hit a home run to be fair <laughs> So, but so did Jonathan, he hit a home run in that game? I was going to say Jonathan Arrows and Bartolo Colon handshake emoji one career homer. <laughs> so maybe that's but, you know what? Honestly, I think what ultimately makes the 2015 team a little bit better is the fact that they had a real hitter, a real pitcher. Yeah. It's like, true. The pitcher might push. That's well. Are you ready for who the uh the uh, the uh the relievers were in that game? Oh, yeah. Sure am. Okay, it's Sean Gilmartin. Great. He was and, good that year. And Carlos Torres. Wow. I, was he I mean, that year? He was good a year. He, I mean, I, I'm obviously going to do you one better there because I've got Reed Garrett, Josh Walker, and, drumroll please, Danny Mendick <laughs> pitching as a position player. Well, Murphy did pinch hit. Nobody pinch hit. <laughs> and we didn't have a Murph pinch hitting appearance. We here. did not have a single pinch hitting appearance because <laughs> they were behind by so much so early that they just gave up. And the backups were already in. Who do you pinch hit with? Right. There's nobody left because Lindor and Nimmo were both unavailable and but not on the injured list. <laughs> <laughs> this is really close. This is. <laughs> Yeah, this was uh, this one's tough. I still <laughs> think this. I think this 2023 lineup was worse, but but only I, by I, a little bit. I'm with you on. It's closer than I had thought. It is closer <laughs> than I thought. Um, but the I feel like the pitching seals it, even yeah, if there the were still remaining well. questions. Thank you. That was a fun game. The Mets are now a half a game. Let's never played again. 
Uh, yeah, let's never let us never play this game again. Except no. we'll be playing this game again with every Mets lineup subsequent. <laughs> Although in theory, maybe not, because I do, I do think like the that like that lineup because it didn't have Lindor and Nimmo in it was like kind of the peak. <laughs> like, and because it was a doubleheader. Yeah, and yeah. because it was a doubleheader, so yeah, it was real bad. But anyway. The, the Mets are now only a half a game ahead of the Nationals for last place in the American League East as we play currently uh, on Monday night, although the Mets are currently winning. I don't know what the Nationals are currently doing. Um, are the Mets are current, uh Maybe not. I don't know. Mets are currently winning against a Pirates team that is kind of in a similar situation to them where they're real bad. Now, this was a Facebook post, so take it with a grain of salt. I don't know if it's accurate. It's a Facebook post. But it says, for the first time ever, the Mets and Yankees were both in last place this late into the season. I mean, I like hard to independently fact check that on the fly, but I could buy that that's true. I could buy yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I saw somewhere that the, the Yankees finished in last place like twice since the Mets began. So, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, the Yankees, so the numbers are like. The Yankees haven't had a losing season since like 1992 or something. And so it would be, I mean, obviously part of the reason that like is because the AL East is so good and they're in last place despite their record not being that bad. Yeah. I mean, it's bad, yeah. but it's not that bad. But like, so they could, they could have, a, they can conceivably end up with a winning season, even if it's just like one game over 500 and come in last place. That's a thing that could happen to them. Um, but I don't remember a time during my fandom where both the Mets and the Yankees were this bad at the same time. No, I don't either. It's, it's, it's pretty dire straits in New York right now. Catch the fever, New York sports. Catch the fever. No, No, wait, that's COVID. (laughs) Yeah. Please don't catch anything. No. (laughs) We're asking you not to. The nationals are currently not playing. So uh, as near as I can tell. So if, if the Mets win, they will be one game ahead of the Nationals. If they lose, they will have the same record as the Washington Nationals as we record this. So that's fun. But like sure. we said, they're why like, not? Tank is on. And the Nationals, this the Nationals, what's interesting is is the Nationals, and this sort of stretches my limits of understanding, and even though Michael is not present here with me, I can hear him yelling at me from across state lines for not understanding the technicalities of this because he's, like, much better at this stuff than I am. But, like, the Nationals, like, can't pick in the top six because of... They can't get the top pick again because they've gotten the top pick too many times in a row or something. Oh, Lord. Yeah, because it's it's like an anti-tanking measure that's in the new CBA and the new like draft lottery system, which is good. It's like you can't like yeah. you get you still the part of the lottery is that it it you just have odds of getting a, be- a better pick if you're worse. Um, and it's not a guarantee and you can't get the top pick too many times in a row. So the Nationals like are are guaranteed to not it doesn't really matter to the Mets what the Nationals do I don't think like the Nationals don't factor into the Mets needing to have one of the six worst records or whatever like it doesn't no, do they play the each other again anymore this year because that series oh, yes. might mean something oh yes they do they're playing in DC guess who has tickets to both oh. those games uh, yours truly <laughs> like <laughs> maybe I'm it'll seeing... be a beautiful day maybe yeah. It'll be a lovely, lovely day. <laughs> One of the games is Bark at the Park, so at least Blue will get to enjoy herself because she won't know that the Mets are bad. She won't. She doesn't understand that. She's a dog. 
Maybe, maybe she'll Kodai Sengo will pick one of will pitch one of them. Maybe that'd be cool. I haven't seen Sanga yet, so either. that'd be nice. I did get to see Jose Quintana, even though the Mets lost that game, but that was cool because he's actually been pretty good. <laughs> um, and he's I- actually one of the like three Mets on the planet that is signed through next year. Yeah, so. yes, it's true. <laughs> I don't mind factoring him. Like, I have no problem with penciling him into the rotation next year. That's he's fine. Been, I mean, he's not just been serviceable. He's been good. He's been good. He's been yeah. good. He's been very solid. Like, solid number three in the rotation type numbers. Very solid. I'm fine with him occupying a spot in next year's rotation. I feel fine about that. Um, so speaking of next year, um, if we want to have some hope regarding 2024, we talked after the trade deadline about how, about the implications for the, the trades that they made for whether they will be competitive in 2024. Um, and obviously Max Scherzer talked about his conversations he had with Billy Epler, where he claims Billy Epler basically told him that they're not gonna try to compete in 2024 and they're kind of retooling for 2025 um but ken rosenthal did write an encouraging piece in the athletic recently which indicated that the mets do indeed plan to spend in free agency um and rosenthal there are a few interesting nuggets in contained within that article the first is regarding shohei otani uh about which Rosenthal wrote, if anyone thinks Cohen is going to pass on an opportunity to pursue the greatest player of our generation and maybe greatest of all time, they haven't been paying attention. So I will say I kind of find this idea that like, I mean, even if the Mets intend at this point in time to not be big players in the offseason, who on the planet thinks Steve Cohen would keep his wallet closed for 20 minutes like that? There is nothing in history to suggest that that would happen. He is a one track mind kind of guy and it is money yeah and i think they will they will at least do a genuine we tried on otani like it may it's it's gonna be it's gonna they may not end up with him but it's gonna be a at least it's gonna be a sincere we tried and not a we tried so we look good (laughs) we tried i don't doubt like i never doubted that cohen would go after otani it's just does otani want to be here that's what it's gonna come down to Yep, that's the question, and we do not know the answer to that no. because Shohei Otani is purposefully very not forthcoming about what he's thinking, and which he has every right to do that. Although, he, did I mean, you look, see that one time he like was gonna cry because the Angels blew it late. I was like, oh, that broke he my heart. Come here. <laughs> I think if there's, I mean, he hasn't said anything, obviously, because again, it's just not his personality. Like, he's just not gonna talk about what his intentions are. But I think if one thing is clear, it's that he is gone from Anaheim. Yeah, I think so too. But for his mental health, I don't know if he should be here either. <laughs> Yeah, I don't care about his mental health that much. <laughs> I care about, I care my about it a lot. lot. I care about it a lot. <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and say that he can have the same problem here that he would have anywhere else. But I bet Kim also have a lot, a lot of money. <laughs> what certainly seems like a more sure thing than Shohei Otani um, is that Ken Rosenthal also wrote in the piece that Yamamoto makes the most sense for the Mets and free agency when it comes to pitching. 
which is not really a surprise because the Mets have already been linked to him in several ways, including obviously Billy Epler being very active in uh, in the Japanese sphere, um, bringing in Sanga. And I think that, he, that the Mets are similarly interested in Yamamoto, the advantage being that unlike a lot of the other like major pitching free agents, Yamamoto is 25 years old um, and very good. Uh people people who know who have watched him pitch in Japan say that he's and you know we saw him in the World Baseball Classic like say he's better than like even Sanga was at the time so that's exciting um I mean obviously it's not any like breaking news or anything what Rosenthal wrote but you know Rosenthal is he's a major reporter and pretty well connected so if he's writing that Yamamoto makes sense for the Mets again you can read between the lines about that um well, how cool would it be to have Senko, Otani, and Yamamoto? <laughs> That'd be pretty be freaking cool. cool. It would be pretty freaking cool. And I think it would be like, I don't know, like it would be, I'm searching for a better term, but it would be a spectacle. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a positive way. Like, it, it would be like, it would be like a big show. It would be a show. story. Yeah. yeah. It, would be a, it would be a thing. Like, that would be also, some I mean, when you major think about- star power some of the the isolation that these guys talk about feeling which you know you would have to if you're the only one in a clubhouse that speaks the language like that's it can be a really isolating experience i would think that the possibility of having kind of a network there would would really be appealing to everyone involved yeah that's true especially if they play together in the world baseball classic too all I know is that the that hero that hero, the lovely uh, Japanese translator oh, for the I Mets, who, who he fe- who he featured on a recent uh, mensch of the week, would have his work cut out for him. <laughs> they brought <laughs> on. I might have to get a a, a second an assistant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, um, even like after one of his games, Senga was his kids finally got to see him pitch. Because he said they don't really cover him back in Japan because they're all covering Otani. So he said, you know, my kids don't really get to see me pitch back home. So imagine, but like, if all of the press now descended because you had the three best like Japanese players all playing in the same team, that would be insane. It would be pretty freaking cool. That would be very Um, exciting. Although, remember when Hideki Matsui came over? Yes, yes. And all the press have followed him everywhere. Yeah, I remember that too. It was cool. It was cool. It would be really cool. Although it doesn't seem like that would be a a drawing factor for Shohei Otani. In fact, it might be the opposite of that. The, the The New York press factor. It doesn't seem that he... He is one that actually seeks out the spotlight. I don't think that he's scared of it necessarily. I just think that he's a guy that likes to keep to himself a lot and doesn't necessarily, you know, want want to be swarmed by media after every game, which he doesn't have to deal with as an angel all that much. Yeah, yeah. Despite his, despite his like nationwide celebrity. Um but yeah, then that would get ratcheted up to like level 11 if he was playing in New York. But I feel like his endorsement chances are a lot more, would be a lot more. Very in lucrative. New York too. Uh, and I mean, I think that going back to the point about Steve Cohen not passing up the opportunity, I think we can feel pretty confident that 
if the Mets are interested in pursuing Otani, which it seems like they are, they will have the best offer monetarily on the table. Um, and it yeah, I'm be- fairly confident that like they're not going to get him. But when it, it leaks how much they offered him, we might even be a tiny bit relieved because I feel like the number is going to be very stupid. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. like if if money is is what Shohei Otani is after and he is just going to take the best offer, then that then my confidence that he becomes a Met goes goes up a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but we don't know that. We don't know if he's if he's motivated by having the best contract or not. Although, can I also just say how disconcerting it is? Like, I'm sitting there, you know, going to see Barbie movie. And then in the previews, the GameStop trailer comes on. I'm like, oh, my God, there's Vincent Jones. Oh, my God, yes, going. I saw that, too. <laughs> <laughs> and like, my daughter kept going. asking me questions about it. I was just like, no, hold on. I just want to watch this. <laughs> Like, does he really have the pig? I want to know, does he have the pig? We need to do a whole, like, unpacking of this preview we at do. some point. This needs to be, like, an episode. <laughs> Investigative reporting. <laughs> what we've been able to figure out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel uh, like we should all go see it and then do, like, a pod on it. <laughs> or we can just go to Barbie movie again. <laughs> yeah, that too. We could do that. <laughs> Um, but I am a big Sebastian Stan fan. I won't turn down anything that has Sebastian Stan in it. <laughs> <laughs> Just putting that out. <laughs> um, the other, the third interesting nugget contained within that Ken Rosenthal piece um, is he gave the, uh, he conveniently gave the framework of what a Pete Alonso extension might look like, wink, 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 um, <laughs> which turns out to be five to six years, 30 million ish average annual value which is suspiciously similar to the number that laura albanese recently put Hmm. out there this week um so make of that what you will uh again we can if if you've been listening to this podcast and follow the mets closely and follow baseball media closely and have been for a long time you know what multiple connected reporters reporting the same sort of number of what an extension might look like like sort of means (laughs) so I think that that's encouraging just to see Ken Rosenthal be like, hmm, and by the way, if the Mets were to extend Alonzo, here's what I think it might look like theoretically, in theory, if it were to happen, maybe. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, we all know what that means. And that's pretty reasonable, too. That's what you would expect Pete to get. Yeah, it's... it's yeah, my, my suspicion is that this is, like, straight from the front office, and this is very much the amount they would like him to take. Yeah, Um I hope he gets a little hometown non-discount, like rounding up a bit, because I do think, you know, that is important. And that's something he brings to the team that isn't really measured in stats. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that's where you would start from. Yeah. And also, I mean, he's had the most home runs since he entered the league. That's got to mean something. And just tonight, he matched uh, Keith Hernandez on the all-time Mets RBI list. He's going like, to have all the records al- already. Yeah, yeah, he is. All the home run records, he's going to have them. Yeah. If he extends, he's going to have a lot of the records. <laughs> with, uh, a lot of the Mets franchise records. Oh, poor Dave. Yeah, assuming that his career is hopefully longer than David Wright's, because David Wright's was cut off very prematurely. Um you know, obviously, if David Wright's career lasted as long as it should have, if if all was right in the world, then 
it would be hard to imagine that David Wright would not retain a lot of the records, not home runs. I think Pete would still take that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a lot of the others. But as it stands, um, Pete Alonso is going to end up with a lot of the a lot of the franchise records. And Brandon Nimmo is going to end up high on a lot of these lists, I think, as well. Um, yeah, I think he's going to end up on a lot of those like counting stats yep. type lists yeah. besides homers when it comes to like total bases and hits and you know plate appearances and all that i think he's gonna really run up that list very fast so speaking of pete alonso um one thing i did want to address that i wasn't gonna originally address because i thought it was kind of too stupid to really talk about it um but it's kind of taken on a life of its own this story and it's gone beyond the initial salicata comments which i was not going to acknowledge, but then anything story... that starts with the initial <laughs> salicata comments. Oh, yeah. my God. is that something Already, you want? I'm mad. Already, it's not something you want to lend credence to. But it's yeah, the kind most of... cursed ex- like expression you could say. <laughs> it's kind of gone beyond just that and turned into ho- a whole thing. So uh, I wanted to talk about it a little bit, which is not just about Pete Alonso. Um, although he is one subject of this discussion, it's about this general like clubhouse chemistry narrative that's going around. Um, so Salicata claimed on WFAN with absolutely no evidence to back it up. He just it's one of those like I love making shit up and I just he just says dumb stuff just to say it because that's what sports talk radio is um, that Pete Alonso's like a clubhouse cancer and the Mets shouldn't extend him. <laughs> just like um Sir, I would like you to provide any, any shred of evidence. I am begging for any shred of evidence to support your claims. There's no, literally no, evidence. No, no evidence to speak of. <sighs> None whatsoever. Um, and worth noting that in addition to no one like coming out and backing this up in any way, David Cohn basically refuted this outright on the ESPN broadcast of the Sunday night game. The Mets were regrettably on ESPN on Sunday night, <laughs> although they did win. Um, and David Cohn addressed this. He, he didn't, I don't think they mentioned Salicata by name, but they said that like, you know, Oh, you know, all the, like all the nonsense about Pete Alonso being like a negative in the clubhouse. That's absolute hogwash. It's not true. Um, and I like honestly, D- David Cohn is probably more connected <laughs> to Mets like Mets people at this stage than Salicata. <laughs> yeah, so, that seems like a pretty safe bet, actually. Yeah, like I'm not saying that like David Cohn has like a million sauces uh, or whatever, <laughs> but like you but he's know, a former player, he probably yeah. talks to people. I, I yeah, exactly. If there's anybody who talks to the players, it's probably David Cohn. Um. And so, yeah, he he was like, that's just nonsense. It's not true. So I was like, yep, <laughs> like, I can't think of one reason why it would be true. That is just straight up imaginary. Also, imaginary. Like, there's one thing to, like, say, oh, I think Pete Alonzo should be traded or the Mets can, you know, maybe, like, restock the farm system if they trade Pete. I can buy those arguments. They're wrong, but I can buy them. But to like slander Pete and to just lie. Completely agree. Like you can take the stance that the Mets would be better off trading Pete Alonso. I don't agree with it, but I can respect it if you if you if that's what you feel and you think that like the the uh, the prospect return and, you know, they're already 
on their way to revitalizing the farm system. If you think it's too difficult for the Mets to compete in the near future and it would be best for them to trade their most valuable asset that they have, then that's a stance that you can take and you can back up with evidence. But there's no reason to just say, oh, they shouldn't extend him because he's not a good clubhouse presence. It's just not true. And actually, there's plenty of evidence to the contrary. That eyes, Jan. being a good clubhouse presence. I I tweeted this. I pointed it out like in in that very game, in the Sunday game, um, Mark Vientos made a couple of nice defensive plays, actually. And after one of them, like Pete pointed at him and like pumped his fist. Um, actually, no, it wasn't in that Sunday night game. I apologize. It was in one of the ga- other games of the series that they like got their ass kicked or whatever. I think it might have been Friday. It's hard to narrow it down to be totally. yeah, like, they all played all, together. All the Mets games went together. I'm so sorry, but it was it. Was, Mark Fiantos had a good defensive game in one of the in one of the games of the Braves series, and they were losing the game. It was like six nothing at that point, and Pete Alonso was still like pumping his fist and pointing at him and like like really pumping him up and like. It's and that's a guy who needs the confidence boost because he's struggled in the big leagues this season. And I think that that's just Pete showing him like we see when you're making positive contributions like we see that. And that's what a clubhouse leader looks like. Like we see evidence that he's a good clubhouse guy. I well, in this didn't a story get released earlier in the year that we said he wanted to learn Spanish so he could better communicate with his teammates. Yes. Yes. Like, yeah, that sounds like a big fucking problem right there. Right. Like, well, I think part of it is this idea that um, that if you're losing, you have to be miserable every minute, like that you owe the world your ongoing misery until um, until you stop losing kind of, the you know, the baseball version of the beatings will continue until morale improves. But like, yeah, and he doesn't do that. Yeah, no, like I he remember subscribe to the idea that he has to hate baseball, you know, until the Mets start winning. And I remember last year when the when the Mets were playing really poorly in September and like squandering away the division. Um, and Pete was just like, I know we're a good team and like I'm not like he basically was not be- being down on himself like the fans wanted. And people were furious at him for that. Like, that he's not out here every day, like, oh, we suck, woe is us. Like, that's just not who Pete is. No, and we love him for that. Like, I love his positive outlook. Like, I don't want the Mets to break that spirit. Like, what's wrong? Like, he had baseball's really hard. If he goes into the box thinking, we're already beat, we're doing really bad, there's no chance they're ever going to succeed. Yeah, if you've broken Pete Alonso's spirit, then something is terribly wrong <laughs> yeah terribly terribly wrong like, and also i mean he's really good yeah he should yeah why how can you get mad at him for that when he actually backs it up like the only time he wasn't good this year was when he was injured and playing through the injury yeah and like and that's on the mets that's not on him yeah they should have out him yeah like, and even though, like, obviously the player is always going to try to talk himself back onto the field and say, I'm fine, I'm fine. It's up to the team, up to the manager, up to the up to the staff to be the adults in the room and be like, you need two weeks off, um, which they should have ielded him. But it's, I don't know, man, like, the guy is really good at baseball. He loves being a Met. Like, this is just a no-brainer. He's homegrown. 
he it's just a no-brainer and i don't understand why these idiots are just like they shouldn't extend pete alonzo because of things i just made up now well, because they're miserable human beings and pete alonzo is not yeah yeah and they're just not yeah just not on board with like the the whole like self-hatred uh perpetual misery of mets fandom like you're not not a true met if you're not depressed all the time. <laughs> not miserable. <laughs> well, give him his giant me. check steve yeah, give please. him a big pile of money please because well, i don't know if i'm making this up or not but i could have sworn i read somewhere that he also like calls new like draftees after they get drafted to like oh welcome God. them to the that's organization so like wholesome. like that that's what so you want that's what you like. That's the face of your franchise. That is a page out of the David Wright David Wright right handbook. That, yeah. that really is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, and even today, like he was talking to Ed Cranepool, and Ed Cranepool was unsteady on his feet. And like Pete, like, quick grabbed him to make sure he didn't fall. <laughs> like Pete just so wholesome. And I think if if the Mets extend Pete Alonzo, they, they should put a C on his chest. See, that's hard. Is it him it. or is it Lindor? Yeah, I, I think it could ju- be justified for either. Yeah. I don't know. That's a, that's a hard call. It is hard. It is. They're both very good and both very good leaders. Um, And so kind of an extension of this uh this whole clubhouse chemistry discussion um, was a piece by Mike Puma, which was mostly generally about like the bad clubhouse vibes this year. Um, which but- to be clear, uh, saying- like we're not arguing against that, right? Sure, we think Pete's vibes are impeccable, but the team's vibes, team's vibes are, are bad. Bad. Like, what a shock! Like losing makes people unhappy. Wow, right. that's Break what the news. That's why I didn't want to like really talk about this, but it's taken on like so much water that I felt like we had to. But that's why this whole discussion is silly, because basically what it comes down to is team team good clubhouse chemistry, good team, bad clubhouse chemistry, bad. Like that's why these discussions are always silly, whether we're talking about how good the vibes are or how bad they are or like or acting like that's like indicative of anything. It's like like winning fixes everything. It's really true. These were mostly the same guys last year. And everyone talked about how good the clubhouse chemistry was last year. It's like, yeah, because the team won 101 games. Well, like we said, like after Jake left, he still called Buck to tell him thank you for changing the clubhouse vibes. So something was doing okay last year. And like shock of all shocks in 2021, when things did not go as planned, like Francisco Lindor and Jeff McNeil hated each other and were fighting. And it's like, oh, the vibes are so bad. It's like, yeah, because the team was playing bad. 2021 April was awful. So like it, that's it really ultimately was. what it comes down to. Um, but the most notable part of the Mike Puma piece um, was a little tidbit in which an anonymous Met called Justin Verlander a diva. Um, and like basically they said that he like he's the clubhouse cancer now. It was Verlander all along. I thought we were like over this whole like Will Pontian nonsense of like of like slandering players on their way out, like after they're gone, being like, by the way, nobody liked him. <laughs> <laughs> but and apparently we're guy. not over that. Um and Verlander issued a statement about it today. Like that's how that's how like much how much gas this took on. Um, and I what I didn't realize from the Puma piece, I guess, um, because Puma just called it an anonymous Met. So in my mind, that's a player. 
Yeah. But it wasn't. It, Verlander said, oh, I've like, I, I regret that a Mets staff member had like basically felt the need to say this about me. And I was like, oh, it was a member of the staff. Yeah, everything he said about it, he's like, oh, he knows exactly who that is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, absolutely. He Very uncomfortable. Who it is. Um, and, and with the way that Verlander's statement, like reading Verlander's statement, it was pretty clear that Verlander said, like, said critical things about like how the Mets are like maybe like something they're doing with their analytics department. Um, basically, like, you know, str- like coaching, like philosophy or and things like that um and yet he had criticisms of that and clearly that was not taken well um and listen i obviously am not privy to how that conversation went down um and i'm not going to pretend that verlander was probably not a little bit of a dick about it (laughs) because these players are often just like you know i mean i'm sure he is kind of a diva yeah like he's a major league pitcher yeah so that is just sort of the default mode. But so that said, on the other hand, said Mets staff member could have either thought to themselves, huh, maybe the Hall of Fame bound pitcher knows something about pitching and analytics. Or instead, he could have whined to Mike Puma of the New York Post and had him write a hit piece about Justin Verlander, which is the latter path is what he chose. And I don't agree with that decision. And also, like, you haven't won since 1986. Your organization is in shambles. And here's this Hall of Fame pitcher who's won two World Series telling you, Oh, you might have a problem here and you ignore it. And he's and he's coming from he played a lot of years in Houston, uh, an organization well known for its advanced analytics. Yes. Um, And probably yeah. said something to the akin uh, to akin to like, this is how we did things in Houston. And the Mets did not take well to that. And unless that thing was uh, him advocating for them to cheat, which did also work well for the Astros. <laughs> Very um, effective strategy. Very. And it probably would be, would have been good to just like simply take his advice under advisement, even if it may not have been delivered in the most thoughtful way. I'm sorry. That's the effort should be fired. No, you <laughs> instead you should turn around and call complain. Them. Call the press. Call the press and not even put your name on it because you're a coward. Like, you're you're bad at your job. Look at the team. And this guy's trying to help you. Right. Um, And Verlander was classy about like, like he basically was like, I regret that a staff member felt the need to say that, but I have nothing but good things to say about the Mets. And I was like, good for you, Justin. You know what? Which is like, I think it's the second opportunity he has had since the whole fire sales at that he has taken the opportunity to say like, boy, those Mets sure are great. Aren't they? Yeah. Which, which... I appreciate, especially since they um, publicly lied to Max Scherzer to get him to leave. <laughs> so having one ex pitcher who still thinks well, of the Mets uh, is, is nice. You well, know, like this, the Mets created their own drama. There was no need for any of this. There wasn't. I mean, but this one staffer had a mouth off because he thought he was embarrassed by a Hall of Fame pitcher. Yeah. Yep. It's it, it's very Wilpon Met shit. It is. Get that. I'm telling you, get that clown out of here. I don't care who he is. He's obviously not advancing the organization if you're not taking the advice of Justin Verlander. Yeah. 
I just hope it wasn't someone very high up. Oh, it was Billy Epler. <laughs> Literally <laughs> Billy Epler. Um, <laughs> so before we move on from the 2023 Mets, because Lord knows, <laughs> don't want to talk about them for too long. No. Um, the Mets did make a few roster moves today. Um, most notably to this podcast is that John Curtis was placed on the 60 day IL with a body in his right elbow. RIP to my dude. That is a depressing outcome for my dude. Basically being an up and down from Syracuse guy and then having a season ending injury. Very sad. Has he been hurt this whole time? Maybe possibly. I mean, he didn't pitch that bad. He had a couple of like, you know, it's hard because the sample size is so small because he wasn't really up that often. And he did have a couple of outings where he got bombed. So he's like over all ERA, I don't think is that good. But it's, I don't think like he pitched that bad. Like, you know how, what other Mets fans are saying about Mark Vientos? Like, he just needs a chance. Like, that's what I've been saying about John Curtis this whole season. <laughs> he never gave my man a real shot. Um, <laughs> and now he's hurt. So he's not going to get a shot. No, I'm sorry. Um, Also to the IL. RIP. Also to the IL, Josh Walker with a right oblique strain, which I mean, he did pitch. He pitched in that 21 to three debacle and pitched bad. So I don't know if that has anything to do with this. It it seems Um, I feel like there's some potential there. And then uh, and then Sam Coonrod, who's been out like basically all year with a latch strain was was activated from the injured list. So uh, Sam back in the bullpen. Uh, All right. Hooray. Um, And Jimmy Yacobonis was outrighted to Syracuse. So we've got we've got lots of bullpen shuffling due to injury and the fact that there are many spots available because Because the Mets uh, don't have any pitchers. Mets don't have any pitchers, so that's fun. It's it's fun because every day you turn on the Mets game, and there might be a different guy on the team you didn't know was there. It's like a fun game. <laughs> that happens quite often. <laughs> Another fun game is a game we like to call. I took the form of a forty-five-year-old white man for a reason. I can only fail up. This week's participant in that segment is Oakland Athletics team president Dave Caval. No, he, um, a repeat customer. A yeah. repeat customer. The, the Oakland gift Athletics. That keeps on giving. The Oakland Athletics, everyone. Um, <laughs> he uh, he had a really really cool quote. Uh, actually, this is him breaking his silence. I believe it is the first time he has spoken to the media since the A's announced. Uh, that well, not the A's announced, but it was announced that the A's are probably relocating to Vegas. Um, so Caval said, quote, the revenue share was an important financial contribution to fielding a product on the field. So, yes, it was a material factor in terms of the deadline. So what he means by that is that their plan to move to Las Vegas is that it is partially driven by them getting more in revenue sharing (laughs) because because Vegas is a smaller market than than the Bay Area. So, very cool. <laughs> oh, man. It's also fun, not funny, but the uh, the football preseason is starting up and the Raiders were home 
and they're playing the 49ers and the entire stadium was 49ers fans and you want to bring in another team to this market when their own home team their own home football team can't even get their own fans into the stadium good luck maximum oof yep yeah so if if in case you were under any sort of delusion that this team is interested in investing more money after after they move to Vegas, you are sadly mistaken. They're they like just bought the revenue share. They're like that sweet, sweet revenue sharing money and casino money, which we will pocket immediately. Yeah, they're not putting it into the team. It's it's a joke. Nope. It is a joke. Um so the second major uh happening in baseball this week is is something that is not is very distressing that we are going to talk about that we still don't know the, the details of and this is still very much a developing thing and we will uh keep talking about it as we find out more um but Ray's shortstop Wander Franco is, is not traveling with the team this week because MLB is investigating him um, for social media posts that allege he had an inappropriate relationship with a minor. Um, these posts were uh, the original post that at least I, the first post I saw that I think went the most viral on Twitter um, was a screenshot of an Instagram post from a, from one of the girl's family members. Um, and those posts, uh, those Instagram posts are all in Spanish. And obviously Spanish is not a language that I speak fluently. It's not my first language. I don't know it. Um, I'm not a Spanish speaker, but the gist of it is that the family um, is getting authorities involved in the situation. And the family was basically like outing this uh, relationship. Uh, it's not a relationship. It's it's rape if it's true. Um, but yeah, uh, the and the person who tweeted the screenshots also claims that the girl is 14 years old. That has not been officially reported anywhere. All that's in the official reports about this is that oh, it's an alleged re- relation, uh, inappropriate relationship with a minor of unspecified age. What the rumor that is floating around is that she is fourteen, but that is not confirmed. Um, and he's been placed on administrative leave. No, he's on the restricted. Restricted. List. Okay. This is, there's an important distinction between yes. those two things. Um, so that that's. Uh, He's been placed on the restricted list, which which he agreed to. He and the Rays like mutually agreed to place him on the restricted list, um, which you can do for, I think, up to six days or something like that. Um, He can be placed on the restricted list uh, before they have to make a decision about whether to put him on administrative leave. Um, the restricted list is without pay. The administrative administrative leave does involve pay, but I think you can be on the restricted list and administrative leave at the same time but there's like a clock tick on administrative leave where they have to make a decision about that um franco for for what it's worth denies these allegations entirely he did like an instagram live on sunday uh night after these posts went viral um entirely denying this um, his teammate Jose Siri is heard screaming in Spanish in the background of the Instagram live that this is people after money. Um, and Wander Franco, I can't remember whether it was Rondo Frank Wander Franco himself or like his people, um, went on some sort of like Dominican radio show and said that and basically said that this is the family extorting him for money, um, is what he is saying that this is about. Um 
so yeah, there's there's a lot of outcomes of this. We don't know a lot um, about about this, uh, and it's we'll see what MLB MLB is investigating, and we will see what they find out. Um, this is going to be difficult for them to find out a lot because the events and the allegations are coming out of the, his home country of the Dominican Republic. So that makes it all the more like difficult for them to find out details about this. Um, so the team. Uh, put out a statement uh, in the immediate aftermath of the story going public saying like, we're taking this very seriously. We we placed him on the restricted list. We're working with MLB. Um, and like the statement said, we've been made aware of these allegations, blah, blah, blah. But considering they pulled their triple a shortstop from his game after one at bat the day before the yeah. allegations went public, that indicates that they possibly already knew that this was coming. Yeah, I mean, that looks very suspicious that they knew something was up. Or, like, it couldn't be a coincidence that they did that. Yeah. Um. So, this is very disturbing, obviously, and needless to say, if these allegations are true, Wander Franco should not only never play another baseball game again, but he should be in jail. Yeah. Um, well, they said that's the other thing complicating it is, you know, the police might have to get involved. Yes. Um, like this is Felipe Vasquez stuff. Yeah. yeah. Hope they do. Um, that's what the family is saying that they're trying to involve authorities. Um, yeah, this is Felipe Vasquez stuff. Um, yeah. that's the only like real precedent I can think of for this. And yeah, I mean, he, he, he didn't play a- another baseball game again. So we'll see, but obviously never underestimate major league baseball's ability to bungle this completely. Um, Especially since Wander Franco actually has talent. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, he he's under a contract extension for a very long time um, and is one of the game's big stars. So this is like it's not to say I mean, Felipe Vasquez was pretty dang good. Uh, That's true. Yeah. When when his when his situation went down, but. A relief pitcher and a star shortstop are completely different stratospheres of, like, notoriety, I guess. Um, So this is, like, a big spotlight's going to be on this. Um, But it's also pretty sad and pretty gross when you have major media members making jokes about this. I'm looking at you, Keith Olbermann. Yep. Um, There are a couple gross things going around. Uh, First of all, if you're initial reaction to this is to make a joke then you should reevaluate you should look in the mirror and seriously reevaluate yourself you can just not say anything yeah that is an option not tweeting is always an option Mm -hmm. um just just simply don't say anything um the other gross thing that's happening uh that I pointed out on Twitter and got the predictable results because I made the mistake of including the player's name in the tweet I that would that's on me, you guys. That's on me. If you tweet about this stuff, uh, you know, to to like urge people to exercise caution, to side with the victim, anything like that, do not include the player's name because every degenerate that wants to defend the player by default will name search the player and go under every tweet about it and and tweet abusive stuff. That thing is humanly possible. Yep. So, but I did, I'm not taking the tweet down because screw you guys. Um, 
not you listening <laughs> people people <laughs> replying to my tweet um but yeah if you are recirculating reposting sharing in any fashion unredacted photos of the alleged victim or any of her personal information you are a bad person and also Don't how gross of a human do you have to be to defend statutory rape just because this is your favorite player like i just i don't understand what goes through somebody's head that rape is okay because it's your favorite player and if you're i'm sorry if your immediate reaction it, to this is to go find this girl's instagram and say she doesn't look 14 to me then that tells me all i need to know about who you are yeah yep. yeah and even if again her age is not verified we don't know exactly um whether the fact whether the like reported the like whether the rumor that she's 14 is true um even if it's not true you're still gross <laughs> like i don't know how to tell you that like sharing her her photos and all that stuff and talking about how she doesn't look 14 and inviting more abuse on her by sharing her information i don't know how to like explain to you that that's bad and you don't get it <laughs> no they're today it's just they're awful human beings and they're just gonna stay awful human beings like, with no empathy, even for children, for literal children. Like this is the we, we have talked about this tactic over and over when we've talked about Trevor Bauer on this podcast before. It doesn't matter if her social media is public or not. The tactics that these types of people and the type of people who, you know, support them do is to pile on someone and share all their posts and like quote tweet them and things like that so that their stands will pile on and and her instagram comments right now uh i've been told i haven't actually gone and looked at her instagram because i'm not an insane person um but i'm told her instagram comments are heinous right now are like disgusting and that's what you are inviting no matter how old she is but even if she's an, a full ass adult, that's what you're inviting that level of abuse on her by sharing her handle and her photos and all that stuff. You're yeah, you're perpetuating that. Deserves that. Yeah, nobody, nobody deserves that. I don't care if her social media is public. Nobody deserves that. So it's yeah. Please don't do that. Um, and yeah, obviously there's a lot we still need to find out. Um about this but he he alleges that this is just people after money which is what everyone alleges mm -hmm. about victims right it's the old yeah i think trevor bauer used that excuse Fleffinger used that excuse she's a gold digger her family yep. are extorting me for my money because i'm famous that's always what you hear i mean sometimes that's true but it's not often true. It's not, it's more often not true. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of an instance where it has been true. Not with famous people anyway. It's usually proven later to be absolutely correct. Because why would you want this 
attention. Everybody's like, oh, they want attention. They want money. Is No, they don't. Because this is what happens. Your name gets trashed. You're being absolutely dragged online. It, that attention's not worth it. Nobody would do this to themselves unless something happened. And here's what I will say. If she is a minor, regardless of whether the allegations are true about the nature of their relationship, she is still a victim here. Because if the claim by Wander Franco is true, that the family is extorting him for money, that means that they are using their child as a pawn to extort a famous person for money. And that makes her still a victim of her family members' actions. She is a child. Yeah. So, you know, (laughs) keep that in mind. She's a victim. She is a victim of some kind here. So it's just a bad situation for this this girl. This is ugly. This is ugly. And there's no outcome that's good. I hope it isn't true. I hope it isn't true. But either way, it's an it's ugly business. And in the, I guess, air quotes, best case scenario, we have a child who was exploited by her family members to try to extort money from a famous baseball player. Um and and like has all the bar stool, all the worst bar stool types in her mentions for the rest of her life. Um or we have rape of a child. Like that's the, the those are the basically the range of outcomes. None of that's good. So more on this as it develops. Uh, but we need a palate cleanser, so <laughs> we will end the show oh. this week like we always do with walk-off wins, where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball related or otherwise. Maggie Wigan, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, yesterday, that's Sunday, uh, my son and I took a vintage New York City subway train to the Rockaways. It's this like special run they do. They used to do it all the time before COVID and they haven't done it in a few years. And it's, it was a subway car from like 1915. Um, and we rode it from Manhattan down to Rockaways and then we spent an afternoon on the beach kicking around the boardwalk getting some food and running around in the water. And it was just like the loveliest way to spend an afternoon. So uh, shout out to the New York Transit Museum, which um, is always a walk-off win in my book, but they do just so much really cool programming in general. And this is one of their, one of their little treats and it was really awesome. So highly recommend check out the Transit Museum, do their vintage subway rides and it's a good time. It was a beautiful day yesterday, too. It was really nice. <laughs> it was good stuff. And I hadn't been to the Rockways before. It was it was very pleasant. Like, we're going to go back and do, like, a proper day of it. How long is the train ride out there? Well, so they, they take you on something of a scenic route. So, okay. um, But it should be, I mean, it's, it's, one thing that's cool is that train can go hella fast. It can go as fast as any of them. Like, which I didn't would not have necessarily expected from a hundred year old train car, but um, you know I think if, if as the crow flies, it would have been like an hour fifteen. Okay, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. God, you had a nice time. That, that was super lovely. fun. 
I would definitely, I would do it again. And I might, it looks like they think they're supposed to be doing something with the seven line um, in November. So watch for it. Ooh. Mm, yes. Linda Servich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Uh, my walk-off win is that I'm going to be on vacation next week. <laughs> Yay. Um, we go every year to the Jersey Shore. Um, so it's what I look forward to every summer, even though we usually go at the end of August. Well, that usually means summer's almost over, but um, I just love the beach. I just love being near the water. It's my happy place. Um, we have a rooftop deck, so we we're well supplied with our Prosecco, so we can just sit out and drink on the rooftop deck and just mm. listen to the waves. That sounds and, heavenly. Oh, it's so nice. Um, it's my happy place. So I will not be on the podcast next week. Um, but and well, no, I will be in Philly country. Ugh. Um, but other than that. Uh, other than the Phillies fans everywhere, um, I always, you know, the whole family goes, we all, you know, we rent a condo, so I get to spend the week with my niece and nephew, and I think I've said this before, it's been nice seeing them fall in love with a place that, like, I've always loved, so now, like, yeah. especially as a kid, seeing them, like, recreate the memories we had as kids, like, you know, making the sandcastles, and, you know, you got to hit up Core Brothers when you're down there, um, all the Jersey Shore staples going on the rides, on the boardwalk, and mini golf mini golf yes you have to mini golf um and then riding the surrey and so it's just the you know your typical jersey shore vacation so i hope it's a nice week to go a good beach week but you know it's just either way it'll be nice to you know take a break from the mets for a little bit too (laughs) yeah lord knows one needs a break from the mets these days yes (laughs) um which, ironically, my walk-off win is that I went to a Mets game. <laughs> they lost the game, and it's still my walk-off win. That's how, like, low my standards are. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was... Um, I went to the the nightcap of the doubleheader on Saturday, which was a loss, but not quite as bad of a loss as the, as the day game. Grading least, on a curve. Grading <laughs> on a curve. At least Jose Quintana pitched well. Uh, that's about all I can say about the game. And Tim Locastro made like a fantastic catch that didn't end up mattering like at all, but it was still like one of the best catches I've seen this season. Um, and it was one of those moments that was really fun where I like was walking back up from the concourse. I either was like getting something to eat or had to go to the bathroom or something. I forget which, but I was literally walking up the stairs as he was running to catch the ball. And so like, I got to the, I got to the, my section, like as soon as he caught it. So wow. it was like, I walked up and saw it and I was like, and I like raised my arms up and was like, ah! and like <laughs> turned and faced the group of people that I was sitting with. And everyone was like, ah! so at least there was like, a couple of moments in the game to cheer, even though it was like overall not a good game. But I feel Wait, like the did game they score at all. Uh, no, they got shut out. I believe. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it was bad. Um, let me confirm that because I mean, Lord knows, I stopped paying attention to the actual game at a certain point. <laughs> um, what'd you get to eat? I ate. So Michael and I shared one of those like 
uh, chicken buckets with the tater tots. Oh, um, it, the place is like the, the chicken place, like right across from the Shake Shack in Centerfield. Um, and they have like a uh, a like chicken tender, like plus ta- loaded tater tots like bucket. Hmm. So Michael and I shared that, which was good. And then we also shared some disco fries. Which were amazing, too. Yeah, they, like a good choice. They got shut out. It was six nothing. That's what yeah. I thought. I was like, I definitely don't remember them scoring. They had traffic awesome. on the base paths, but they didn't score. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but the the real walk-off win of it all was not really the game itself. It was just, like, spending time at City with a bunch of people I don't get to see that often. Like, a lot of my Mets Twitter community was there. Um, like folks that just like organized a DM and was like, Hey, let's all go to the Mets game together. Um, Thomas and Jack were there from Amazing Avenue. Um, and so it's just like, you know, it reminded me that even when the Mets are bad, I can't stay mad at them because they brought me this community of people that are my friends now that I would never have if it wasn't for the Mets. So that's really my true walk-off win in there. It's just the company that I was with and the Met, the fact that like the reason I these people are in my life is because of the Mets. Um, and so it was more just I had a great time because of the people that I was with and not the, not the baseball that was being played. And I don't really get to go to City Field that often, so I've got to really relish it when I do because uh, these days it involves a lot of travel. So. The only other time I was at I was at City Field for opening day and this game and it's going to be dollars for dingers. And that's really going to be it for me as far as being able to go to City Field this year. So um, got to savor those experiences. So even though the Mets suck, I still had a good time because City Field is home. And I oh, didn't it. you see Miguel again? Too? I sure did. Oh, boy. Oh, no, wait, it was no, it was Jose Quintana. Oh right, yeah, you did say that. Yeah, so I was like, Quintana. I saw, I saw McGill at Camden Yards. Yes, yes, last yes, yes. weekend. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, which was also a loss, but Camden Yards vibes are awesome. So, again, like, gotta, gotta, like, gotta take the silver linings while I can. <laughs> yeah, we're not expecting much at this point. <laughs> Sadly, we are not. Um, so you can join us next week where we will still not be expecting much. Uh, in the meantime, you can go to homerunapplesauce.com, check out all of our fantastic pods. You can support our work by going to patreon.com slash homerunapplesauce. You can follow Home Run Applesauce on Twitter and Instagram at hrapplesauce. You can follow this show on Twitter and Instagram and Blue Sky and TikTok at a pod of their own. You can follow each of us on Twitter and Blue Sky. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. If you search Home Run Applesauce, you should be able to find our entire feed right there. Please rate and review the show if you have a moment on your podcast app of choice. It really helps people find the podcast. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there's no crying in podcasts.